You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. Over 7 million different animals inhabit our planet. I didn't see my first like bald eagle up close, like near, until I moved to Florida. You know, right, so, like yes. you said, the... What can they teach us? Nothing I've ever seen before, which is why I sent you the video, which is why I think out of the whole entire podcast series that we've done, they win for the most amazing courtship behavior. Many species are in crisis and need your help. Join the movement at allcreaturespod.com. Welcome to the All Creatures Podcast. This is Chris. And I'm Angie. <laughs> I had to open with that. USA. USA. I know. I, I wanted to go for the, the eagle vocalization, <laughs> know, but uh, my vote got vetoed. Come on. Is, it's the, it's, it's also it's just, that's, part of, that's part of the American process, right? It's I know. Society. I know. I know. You you know, it's like, um, you know, it, it, it's this is the iconic bird of the United States. So you got to play the national anthem for that. It is. It's our, it's our national bird. It appears yeah. uh, on our seal. I mean, it's, it's, and it has an amazing conservation success story. And so it does. It does. Uh, and a lot of really cool physiology going on this week. And it's just so impressive. I'm very blessed. I get to see. Uh, we have a pair of eagles nesting where I ride horses and mm -hmm. they've been there ever since I've been there. So like 10 years and every season we watch them with our binoculars and hear the vocalizations. Uh, can once in a while see the, um, the juveniles mm -hmm. and it's just incredible. It's, I feel so spoiled and it's just a sign that if I'm seeing them, in Central Florida, it's, it's a sign yeah. that they're doing great, and of course, and we, we get to see them up and down uh, the highways and things like that when we're there, where they provide uh, artificial kind of perching. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So, I, yes, I had never seen one in the wild, and then after moving to Florida, I've seen. I mean, yeah, you see them in Florida, like they're all, all the time. Yeah, yeah I mean, we'll talk about why that is in the United States, but yeah, I didn't really. I saw one in Northern California once from a very long distance, and I was like, mm -hmm. "Oh my goodness!" And it could have been an osprey, but I think it was a bald eagle. I didn't see my first like bald eagle up close, like near until I moved to Florida. Right, you know, so, like yes. you said that that pair that kept coming back and nesting, you know, 441 and near Gainesville. And I just, I used to see them every day driving to work, just sitting there perching. And I just loved seeing it. It's just, they're beautiful, beautiful, oh, huge raptors. So majestic. And obviously being the American symbol and growing up, seeing that and knowing that mm -hmm. you can't, especially if you're from the States, you can't help but see the bird flying above you and just be filled with awe and wonder. I don't mm -hmm. care how old you are or how many yeah. times you see it. But in general, I think some of their awe doesn't necessarily come from the fact that it's part of our American heritage, but it, a lot of it just comes from their beauty and their size. And just Angie, you're right. The national emblem, I, it's, 
such a, a, a beautiful bird that it's just an exciting podcast to talk about, especially the conservation story. And, you know, they, they've been our national symbol since 1782, and they're actually been very important symbol to Native Americans that, uh, you know, for thousands of years. So love, love to tell the story. Now, just really quick before we get rolling, um, just to thank you to our Patreon supporters. We just released Raccoon out for them. Fun species. So great. So great. <laughs> I know. I love that was such a fun one. I love talking about them. And just want to say hi to Matraka. I hope I'm saying your name right, who just joined us on Patreon today. So thank you so much. You know, we're, we're giving back to conservation and we're also, you know, putting out this free education to the masses and our Patreon supporters are really helping do that. Absolutely. And if you can't do Patreon, I totally get it, but you can always subscribe, rate, and review. And I especially want to give a big thank you this week to Rohini Howell and IdHendo3 that gave us raving reviews on iTunes, and we really appreciate it. It's so fun to read, and every time I see one of these, it just gets me more motivated to keep keep on keeping on. So thank you so much, and it's just it's really exciting to to have some feedback and it right. also helps it helps us out a lot on the podcast to be higher to have a, a higher review count on apple and maybe someday they'll pay attention right <laughs> yeah <laughs> well we're on the front page of science so that's good and that's just uh, you know i want to say hi to murray state Prevet club i just spoke to them the other night talking about the podcast and wildlife conservation and it was a real treat to even though I did it from a distance to talk to the next generation that's up and coming, that's going to make a huge difference. So that was really fun with them. Um, And Angie, you know, we almost had a different national symbol. This thing, this is going to crack you up. It's going to crack you up when I tell this story. And I'm going to say it for the end. I can tell just the way that you're giggling. (laughs) It makes sense after we talk about like some behaviors and things, but I read this and I was like, are you kidding me? It would have been, I would have died laughing if this was our national emblem. So, so stay tuned to the end for that one. Do I get a hint? Is is it another bird? Do I get any hints? You'll see. You'll see. You'll see. You'll see. It's just, you know, somebody, somebody high up back then didn't like the bald eagle because of some of their behaviors. So. Well, and since you mentioned behavior, I approach this podcast always from a wanting to learn the week that I do my re- my reviews and look over my articles and YouTube and things like that. But I kind of thought I had Eagle in the bag. I was like, oh, I know a lot mm-hmm. about Eagles because just, I, I don't, I mean, they're awesome. And the reason that I love this podcast, obviously you and I get to talk about animals every week, but I learned a lot about their behavior that I didn't know. Mm-hmm. In fact, I'm going to say it, Chris. So far in the yeah. two plus years that we've been doing this podcast, yes, I think eagles have the most amazing courtship behavior. I okay, I you sent me that video. We'll get there, but that was phenomenal. Yeah, I now, had no idea. I had no. Anyways, we've we've, so, co- yeah. we've covered some some. Okay, okay. Well, we okay. need more well, birds. Covered. That's what I think because they are just they yeah. they know how to. Oh, they're they're just the birds of paradise. They know how to get the mood we're, going. They know how to. Get we're the doing mood a birds going. of paradise this year. We, I could so do funny. birds of paradise every week. Different species of them. They just okay, okay. We'll get there. We'll get there. We'll get there. Now, bald eagles, right? They're called bald because they have that striking white head. And then with that bright yellow 
uh, hooked beak, mm-hmm. right? That's why that's why they're called a bald eagle. They have feathers on their head. It's not like a vulture where they don't or a condor. Those should be bald birds, not the bald <laughs> right. eagle. Right, right. Yeah. So, you know, they have that bald head or bald head. They have that white head with those white tail feathers, right? I mean, just striking. And then to contrast the white feathered head is that dark brown, chocolate brown Mm. body, almost black, if you will. Mm -hmm. So it's just so striking, uh, whether they're sitting perched or especially in flight. Oh, my goodness. And Ugh. and they're and they're so large, so mm-hmm. they're the color pattern is really distinct, and it's yeah, and it's just incredible. And with that big size comes pretty big feet and sharp talons mm-hmm. that they use to, of course, catch their food, which we'll talk a lot about when we get to hunting. And what I really love about them too is when they are doing some of the the hunting behaviors, they have chocolate feathers down each leg. Mm-hmm. So they almost look like they have these kind of, I don't know how to describe them, like pants on, but like balloon pants or just like, yeah, they're, they're yeah, cute. Yeah, it's super yeah. cute. I mean, you don't usually, when they're perched and all tucked in, you don't get to see their legs. It's more when they're in flight or doing some of the courtship behaviors or when they're uh, hunting and grasping food, you can really not only see the power of the talons of the feet and the length of the nails, but then also these cute feather legs. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, I, I, I want to come back as a bald eagle. Like I just, oh, uh, just you're talking about it. <laughs> yeah. I just would love it. Yeah. Yeah. So they, I mean, majestic. oh, they are, they are. And so the, you're right. Body length can be up to 40 inches or hundred centimeters. Wingspan can be up to seven feet, seven. So that's that's tall, way taller than me. Way bigger than you. Yeah, yeah, that's me. Yeah, but they can weigh up to almost fourteen pounds or six kilograms. You know, a little bit over six mm-hmm. kilograms. So, and that's kind of you know the typical of birds. They're they're just light boned, and, and we'll get to that when they fly. So they can fly. Now, Angie, this was interesting. Okay, so males weigh on average about nine pounds or four kilograms. Mm-hmm. Females weigh twelve pounds. Or five and a half kilograms. Right. They have a little so, sexual dimorphism going on. <laughs> yeah. The females are huge compared to the little boys. Well, yeah. It's about 25% uh, less yeah. that the males weigh than the females. Or tw- females weigh mm-hmm. 25% more, however you want to look at it. Yeah. And it is pretty interesting. And researchers, they don't necessarily know why. Uh, but they think that it might have to do with some of their nesting behaviors. And that mm-hmm. although both male and female because they're monogamous and they're paired up. They they both help with the nesting, but this might come as a surprise to some of our male listeners. But when it comes to bald eagles building nests, the female collects more nesting material and does okay. a little bit more work. And then she also spends a little more time incubating the eggs. Males, males okay. help. Males incubate the eggs, but yeah, she's on them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, higher most of the time well not even most of the time but a larger percent of the time and so perhaps this extra size this extra weight is key for helping her keep the house and home and children tidy okay okay and protecting maybe but they don't allow that in us humans 
still no (laughs) (laughs) the earth would be so different if women were 25 percent bigger than men like okay i'm supposed to work full time raise a lot of these kids and be like a fit supermodel okay yep got it check 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 (laughs) that's like me six foot tall you would be eight feet tall Oh my god, that's funny. <laughs> yeah, no, never mind. Uh, I'm glad we are the way how, we are. How different would the Earth yeah. be? How different would yeah. the Earth be? That'd be awesome. Oh my goodness! So be like, go out there and work, and I'm gonna sit home. No, just kidding. I don't know. So Anyways, the Earth would be probably better off. So, North American bird, North American eagle, uh, native to North America, obviously ranges from Alaska all the way down to northern Mexico. Uh, you know. Pretty much spread throughout the United States. Not so much desert dwelling. I mean, there's parts of southern Arizona. They don't really range. And, you know, they're they're more near water, right? Mm-hmm. Because you're going to find out there's sea eagle, which is really cool. I really can't wait to get there and talk about it. But oh, since they've had this decline due to us, you know, the Europeans coming and dominating the continent, uh, you don't seem quite as much except in like the Pacific Northwest, parts of Florida, certain parts of the United States where they do pretty well. But, you know, like their range is here in Southern California. I don't know if there's any bald eagles here. I've, I've never seen one growing up. Mm-hmm. Never heard of anybody seeing them growing up. Maybe in the mountains, there might be a pair or two. But, you know, and then they do, certain ones are kind of have a year round range, but they do migrate, right? So like Northern parts of Canada, not all the way up to the Arctic Circle or, or co- close to it is their breeding grounds, mm-hmm. but then they come down into the lower 48, you know, the lower part of the United States, sure. the 48 states. Well, because, right? yeah, because they cover yeah. such a vast range in North America, as you mentioned, their migratory behavior is going to vary depending on where they're at, right? So. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. A bald eagle from Canada is going to have a different migratory pattern than one from Florida. And so a lot of it has to do with where they're located and some of it has to do with uh, not only like weather, but their foraging opportunities. So mm-hmm. uh, they, if, if it's great feeding year round, they might not leave. And so you might see that from maybe – so bald eagles around Yellowstone, for example, they don't really migrate that much. Uh, and, of course – some of the northern ones, such as Canada, will travel south uh, in the wintertime. Makes Mm -hmm. sense. Can't blame them, right? And what I found really interesting is that birds in Florida will actually, sometimes in the summertime, they'll go a little further north. So they actually want to get, you know, out of here, which I can't say I blame them. I know I love my, my trips to Michigan in the summertime. Get out of Florida. It's a little hot. So... Yeah, it's it's very. Uh, there's no clear cut pattern, and um, it, and when they do migrate, they use they'll use geographic landmarks, uh, mountain ranges, rivers. Um, the Mississippi River, in particular, is a big one. Which is we have to one of these podcasts. Once we, I know there's a couple birds I want to cover that that migrate great great distances. We really got to delve into the science of that. You know, think about it. Like they, you know, we're gonna dork out here for a second. Bird brain, quote unquote, is is a derogatory term. But here are these animals, these, these bald eagles, the ones that I always saw in Florida, they always came back to the same area every year. Oh, yeah. You know, and, they're, and their territory is about one to two square kilometers mm-hmm. that they def- depends, you know, how many other eagles are around. And yeah, other, other right. eagles. But 
they came back to the same nesting grounds. And I know when you get to, when you went to Cape Canaveral, mm-hmm. you know they have that huge nest oh, yeah. on Cape Canaveral. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they always pointed out on the bus tour if you're ever in florida go to the cape it's amazing place and there's a huge bald eagle nest on the tour and they always point it out and they say the same pair comes back year after year after year mm-hmm. you know and um yeah i mean talk we'll get to some intelligence right yeah <laughs> I, I mean yeah. they are there's yeah they're incredible and 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 the fact alone that they're just so behavioral behaviorally flexible where if they need to migrate, they migrate, and they're able to do it using systems that scientists don't completely understand, for lack of better mm-hmm. terms. Yeah. And then if they don't, yeah. they don't. So it's they're they're just they're definitely intelligent intelligent birds, and and probably in more ways than we're able to even study or understand. That's for sure. Yeah. No, it's amazing. It's amazing. Now, Angie, looking at you know how environmental degradation is affecting bald eagles i just i found you know a, a an article on climate change in bald eagles and it's really interesting the the research that's coming out and it's definitely having an impact on them and what they were talking about michigan your your great home state go green right <laughs> go white yes go green go white. go white okay okay so it was actually a study out of the, uh, Washington, so University of Washington. So these are researchers from there that were studying them, and it was uh, pr- uh, published in 2012. And it was modeling climate change impacts on overwintering, overwintering bald eagles in ecology evolution. Right. So, the, so those that's are that's the, the actual study. Those are the ones that aren't migrating; they're staying there for the winter. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. And so they want what they were looking at is the effects of climate change on their nesting habits, and they've been studying these these bald eagles since 1961 and that's when they they started to study the these nesting habits and so what what they're noticing is the nesting of these birds has shifted six weeks earlier wow over the decades so it used to be mid mid Mm mid-june now it's early may because you have less ice cover so the birds are able to go out and forage earlier in the year so that could be driving some of the reproductive processes. And as it warms up earlier in the year, it gets them going earlier in the year. And so what, you know, we t- I talked about this with the Murray State students the other day. You know, when you start impacting all of these natural cycles, right? For thousands of years, bald eagles always nested in June. They went and went out and foraged heavily May, June, or June, July, August, whatever. Now they're doing it earlier in the year. And I was using the monarch butterfly as an example, how their migration from Mexico to Canada back down to Mexico is disjointed now with fauna or flora, sorry, flora blooming. Their flowers are blooming earlier in the year before the monarchs even get there. So they're impacting butterflies. And then, Andy, just to wrap this up, the the Audubon Society's climate model projects that bald eagles by 2080 will just have 26% of their current summer range. And trying to wrap my head around how climate change could affect that, what they did is they went and looked at a, a study in Puget Sound in Washington, where there's quite a few bald eagles. And this study has already seen a decline in bald eagles around there because 
you're getting changes in cloud cover, rainfall, wind velocity is preventing these eagles from getting at salmon carcasses, uh, things like that. So there's already seen a decline. So if they project that out, um, that's where they're projecting it. So got to keep our eye on it again. That's why we all need to change our, our daily habits. Now, I mean, again, I think the reason bald eagles are are important, why care, you know, I think the big thing is they're an ecological indicator. You know, they're the the canary in the coal mine or they're the bald eagle in the wilderness. Yes, yes. That, you know, shows health of an ecosystem, Yeah, they're a top predator, right? So they're they're Mm -hmm. one of the highest members of their trophic community. So yeah, their role in the ecosystem is just really key. Not only, once again, okay, if they're gone or their numbers decline, it's bad for them. It's a huge trickle-down effect. And in the same instance, when you're looking at their overall conservation story, which we're going to talk about, as a high member of the, uh, of the ecological food chain or the food web, they also accumulate a lot of toxins that everything else has in the Mm-hmm. in the food chain. In fact, it's this concept called biological magnification. So if there's mm-hmm. something going on in the water that a little fish eats, like a, some kind of toxic chemical, and it's maybe very, very dilute, a small little animal eats, a small little fish eats it, and then it increases in toxicity. But it's still not that bad. And then the bigger fish eats a smaller fish, and now it's like you know 10 times more 10 to 100 times more concentrated in that bigger fish. And then the bald eagle eats it and it becomes even that that toxic chemical becomes even more concentrations or its impact is biologically magnified, even more impacting the eagle. So where if you're looking at, uh, oh, this water stream or pond or lake or ocean or whatever it is, is healthy from just by maybe doing a sample test of like, oh, there's only this many parts per million or billion of this chemical in the water. It might not have a huge impact in the species that are living in it. But as you move up the food web, this biological magnification can wreak havoc on the top predators, the animals higher up the food Mm -hmm. chain. And especially ones that have a lot of fat because a lot of times different chemicals or toxins, I should say, are stored in animals' fat. So definitely, Chris, as you mentioned, they are, whether you want to call it a canary in the coal mine or indicator species is maybe a more, a more modern uh, concept. Yeah, they're really, really important uh, from, from in the ecosystem. Yeah. No, they are. And I mean, they're conservation story too. And that's why we wanted to kind of highlight that this week was – you know, they, a great success story. Yes. So when we talk about yeah, I mean conservation optimism, I know we've got an interview coming soon on that. Yeah, it's an amazing story, oh. right? I mean, amazing. Well, yeah, story. they're like the comeback kids. I mean, they're one of the great American success stories, and obviously, you know, they are our national symbol in the United States since 1782. And it's so funny, Chris, because I, you're normally the history buff guy and evolution mm-hmm, guy. Mm-hmm. But there's certain things that really just, you know, get me all 
wanting to know more and digging deeper. And so I won't, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I have, I literally have like two slides on their concert, maybe even three on the whole conservation story yeah. and timeline of what happened when with uh, the bald eagle. But the short and sweet of it is, is obviously way back before European settlers came to North America, they had a very healthy population, which of course we don't know, but it was in the hundreds of thousands, maybe millions. And and then by the early 1900s, due to hunting, habitat destruction, and insecticides, which I'll talk about in a minute, their population plummeted. And I have to really point out how amazing it is that by 1918, the U.S. and Canada came together to first protect the species by uh, implementing the a 1918 Migratory Bird Treaty. Okay. And then later they expanded it to all of North America. And that's in 1918. So they started, you know, people started paying attention, whether it was scientists or enthusiasts or or Mm -hmm. policymakers in government. I guess they were able to cross party lines in and figure it out, which doesn't seem to happen anymore. So I know. (laughs) And so, and then basically by uh, 1940, the U.S. Congress passed the Bald and Golden Eagle Protection Act in 1940. And so the birds were starting to get these protections and, you know, uh, no longer being able to hunt them and things like that. Their numbers weren't really rebounding. In fact, in 1963, there was only about 417 pairs of bald eagles remaining. And, And which is just not great. And so, but once again, great American conservation success story. The combination of probably scientists, wildlife enthusiasts, and then the government kept working together. And they the bald eagle was declared endangered species in the U.S. in 1967. Right. Right. Yep. And that's why it works. And, and then <laughs> That's why it works. And then yep. even further restrictions were put in in 1972 with like heavy, heavy penalties to anyone who violated you know, whoever hunt or whatever uh, uh, with a bald eagle. And so that was awesome, but the numbers weren't rebounding probably the way they should. And I'm sure, I don't have their names, unfortunately, but I'm sure due to amazing researchers and scientists fighting for these birds and starting to understand that they were having reproductive issues based on an insecticide or a pesticide that was common throughout the 19, I think, 40s, 50s, and definitely 60s, known as DDT, which is also known as dichlorodiphenyl trichloroethane. I don't know why I can say that, but I can't say, I can't. I, I know, some of these, these scientific, scientific names. names like blah, blah, blah. But so, yeah. but DDT is basically a colorist colorless, tasteless uh, chemical compound. It's also known as an organochloride. And it's an insecticide that basically influences the opening of sodium channels in your in your in, in insect's nerve cells. And so it basically makes the insect have a little spasm and then eventually have it die. And it's I guess phenomenal at con- controlling mosquitoes. And and it probably also it was maybe used as a farm. I think it was used as a farm insecticide as well. But it became clear that DDT 
bioaccumulated or biomagnified as it went through the food chain. And although a lot of species lower in the food chain weren't having any effects on it, and the actual eagle, the female eagle, the female bald eagle, and the male, they weren't, the individual adults weren't having any obvious issues due to DDT. But their eggshells, when the female would reproduce her clutch, her eggshells, the membrane of, or the out, outer part of the eggshell, the hard part was thin. There was not enough calcium there because researchers to this day, they're not, they don't totally understand the mechanisms, but they think the DDT, uh, they think the DDT influences the calcium metabolic pathways in egg development. So these poor little eggs were just getting crushed by the mama sitting on them, and then they weren't Mm -hmm. producing offspring. But then thanks to many people working together, they basically, here in the United States, banned the use of DDT. And I think it was banned um, in the United States in 1972. And other countries follow followed suit. UK was 1984. Um, and then some earlier, uh, Canada, I think it was 1982. mm -hmm. And then like Hungary and Norway and Sweden had, and West Germany had it figured out, you know, kind of Mm -hmm. before us. But so a lot of these Mm -hmm. countries were realizing that the trickle up, if you will, effect of this chemical in the food chain was not great. It's an endo DDT is an endocrine disruptor. And they think it's probably likely to be a human carcinogen, um, but they don't think it's directly like genotoxic. But the bad side of the story is, is DDT has a long half-life and it sticks around for a while and it's not banned in every country, um, only in certain countries. In a study in 2018, research found that DDT was present in European soils and Spanish rivers. And I think it was in uh, 2005, yeah, the Center for Disease Control here in the United States found basically DDT in most people they sampled in, mm-hmm. in small amounts. So it's still around It's uh, and it is in less amounts and the eagles to this day are not being as affected by it uh, as they were obviously in the 60s and 70s when it was a lot more prevalent and they're not having this um, this calcium issue of their shells. Their shells are ni- nice and hard again. So uh, it goes to show that when a lot of people work together to try to save our national symbol. And the good news is that depending on what statistics you look at, look at that there's anywhere from 100, 200, 300,000 uh, bald eagles in North America. So, I mean, we're talking, you know, less than a thousand in the sixties and, you know, now a lot more. So, and with, with all these issues, you know, that, uh, we, you know, they had to stop hunting. We had to work on their hat, you know, helping with the habitat loss. And then of course the DDT issue and, it goes to show, and that's why I do love this country, America, that we live in, is when we put our minds to something, we can get we can get it taken care Things of. Things done. You know, or improve it. Yeah, for sure. At least. And, and, and right. cross party lines and work together and believe scientists and, you know, mm-hmm. things like that. So uh, it's definitely when you and I were talking about which conservation success story, uh, the bald eagle is just a clear 
winner in my book as yeah. far as yeah. what oh, can yeah. be done. Yeah. Yeah. You know, when you decide when the country mobilizes and decides to protect a, an animal, it does it. And then that animal benefits and then the other species benefits. So that's what we're pushing here now. You know, we need to really broaden that to other species. Now, jumping into evolution or their natural history. I said earlier, this is a sea eagle, which is cool. And I'm going to explain that here in a minute. So eagles are obviously birds. So AVs is the class. They're part of a family. So there's a bunch of different families and birds. This is a Cipitridae. Nice. And yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> so very better than saying the DDT word. Uh, very diverse family with hook bills. I mean, this is the kites, the harriers, the vultures, and eagles. Now, harpy eagle, Angie, do you think they're related or not? Ooh. To sea eagles. Mm, I guess I'm going to go with no because you gave me that little hint of sea. <laughs> sea eagles. Okay. Yeah. Harp and A, that's the family from for our harpy, harpy eagles. episode of like them like picking up sloths and like really big things. Right. Out of the jungle. Yeah, they're, they're, they're different. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They're different. They're different. So they're a different family. And then the, the sea eagles is Hylatus is the genus. And so like you have the sea eagles are across the world too, which is really cool. You have the white-bellied sea eagle, which is in India, Southeast Asia, to Australia. Mm-hmm. The Sanford sea eagle in the Solomon Islands, African fish eagle, Madagascan fish eagle, the Pollen's fish eagles in Asia. I mean, there's so many of them. White-tailed eagle is in Greenland and, and Eurasia, all the way to China and Japan. Huge range. Yeah, very much. Stellar's. Mm-hmm. Sea eagle, lesser fish eagle, and the gray-headed fish eagle in Southeast Asia. So, and then our good old bald eagle. So big, big family, and just oh, they're they're just so cool. They're so cool. Now, the bald eagle's scientific name. This is not an easy one, Ange. Hylatus lusocephalus. Oh, I did. Yeah, that was great. Okay. Uh, okay, and it's the only species. So there's only one species of bald eagle. Now. I've done bird evolution. I've done it a lot. Just quick recap. This has been going on for nearly 200 million years, probably 160 to 200 million years. Which favorite dinosaur did they come from? What class did birds evolve Theropods. from? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I pay attention yes, to my kids' yes. dino train, uh, dinosaur I train know. and uh, all their books. <laughs> You're right. So theropods. So the Compsonagiths, the Tyrannosaurus. Oh, Chris, come on, come on. Compsonagiths. <laughs> uh, okay. I can do. I can do dinosaur names. All right, Xander. <laughs> totally. Well, yeah, you know, there's some uh, of these books uh, have really good pronunciation. Some of them have good pronunciations that I've learned from, and then other ones don't help you out at all. So. Uh, but yeah, yeah I, well, I think Alexander's uh, first words was Pachycephalosaurus. So, you know, that. <laughs> like six months old. Not, no, not quite that old. But, uh, I mean, sorry. Yeah. Not quite that young. Uh, but, um, uh, so funny. Oh my goodness. Oh, it's so funny. All right. So birds came out of Manoraptora. So from these theropods and they're the only dinosaur group alive today, they said, and the earliest ones of these had teeth. Anyways, it's it's just funny. Archaeopteryx, that's the one I've said before. Thank you. Okay, dinosaur <laughs> yeah, expert. I can go all night. I can go all night. <laughs> yeah. oh, God. Trust me, this is years of practicing like, and, and being corrected by my kids. So there's that. 
Oh, I can't wait till he comes to grad school. All right. And feathered wings with a tail with reptilian teeth and clawed wings. I mean, just, uh, and they died out with the fifth math extinction. Thank goodness, because this thing's scary. Now, eagles specifically, oh my God, I'm just dying. Um, 36 million years ago is when they think eagles evolved from kites. And what's a kite besides the thing you fly with your kids? Uh, these are medium sized raptors. I look, you know, they look a lot like eagles. Yeah, we have this, and, this snail kite in Florida that's actually, I think, threatened, mm-hmm. unfortunately. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, one of the birds out there. And actually, sea eagles were the first to emerge, you know, this long ago. Because they were preying on fish and other aquatic animals that that made them very successful. Now, the first fossil evidence of a bald eagle was found about a million years ago. or It dates back a million years ago. And they found it, Angie, in the La Brea Tar Pits, which is here in L.A. Right near me in L.A. So, I mean, there at least were bald eagles, you know, in your neighborhood at some point. A million years ago. Long time, long time. This is this animal's been around for a long time. Now, you know, that's a, a quick recap of bird evolution, eagle evolution. Do you remember? Uh oh. For those who have not listened to the Harpy Eagle episode, here it is. Largest eagle ever. We've talked about it a couple of times. Hmm. I have a feeling it's pretty big. It's big. <laughs> yeah. But I don't. It's, it's big. Uh can I can we do another dinosaur name? Uh no, okay. So you don't that remember. Drained, no, that the dinosaur name okay, naming okay. drains my brain. Remember we, we, okay, we had the elephant bird, which is still the biggest bird mm-hmm. on earth that was in Madagascar, right? That was like 10 feet tall. That's huge. It displaced the moa as the largest oh. bird. And do you remember where the moa is from? I want to say New Zealand. Yes. Yay! Okay. New Zealand. Okay. And they, they became extinct about 1400. This thing became extinct with them. Mm. This is the Hass eagle from New Zealand. Oh. Used to hunt moa. Okay, moa was its primary source of food. This thing, wingspan of over ten, almost 10 feet, 3 meters, weighed up to 30 pounds or 14 kilograms. So, harpy eagles is the biggest eagle on earth mm-hmm. today. It's over 7 feet wingspan. You know, with bald eagles close behind it, but harpy's bigger. This Hass eagle was huge. It, 10 feet, story wingspan like huge and yeah so the moa was was knocked out by the maori when the maori came and and settled new zealand Mm -hmm. because that's what they hunted and and those went extinct and then the Hass eagle went extinct right after it so yeah yeah huge 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 bird huge bird and so the bald eagle is the biggest in north america after the harpy eagle yeah, well, yeah, because harpy eagles South South, South America, America, right? So, okay. yeah, and Central. So, yeah, but the harpy's still the biggest eagle on Earth. I think, you know, by oh, weight, and average I size. I remember some of those span, pictures. Yeah. I'm like, this must be photoshopped. It was so great. I know. Yeah, yeah, they're, they're huge. huge. They're huge. Well, and Chris, when I was reading a little bit about species and evolution, aren't some researchers saying that there are two subspecies of bald eagle? Yeah, I, I. I couldn't find anything that was like definitive. Okay. So they, they are thinking there's a Northern and a Southern okay. subspecies. So I didn't find subspecies, gotcha. right? There's only one species of bald okay. Eagle, but the subspecies, yeah, the, the Northern. And again, we go back to good old Bergman's rule. So the n- ones in the North are larger than the Southern. Right. Well, it's cold. Right. You got to store so, a little fat. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, you know, it's, it's, it's again, like everything in science debatable and until we get more genetic studies and things like that, which I'm sure they're doing today. Sure. Sure. Know. And then, right. uh, we also have the golden Eagle in North America. You're right. There is, there is the golden Eagle, which is actually a huge range across Asia, uh, parts of Africa and into North America. So yeah, we do have more eagles here than just the bald eagle, but the bald eagles just in North America. Gotcha. Yeah. So just some factoids, you know, the average lifespan of a bald eagle is 20 years, which is, which is good. Good for a bird. And the oldest one under human care lived to be about 38 is what I read. I read uh, one in New York was about 50 years, but. Oh, yeah. wow. Okay. I didn't I mean, see that one. You can't always believe everything okay. you read. Uh, it wasn't, it was not a peer reviewed article, but the average, the average is going to be about 20 and it is important too, though, that they're long lived birds, right? And they have low Mm -hmm. adult mortality rates, but many of the eggs don't survive and most of the mortality is going to happen around eggs or nestlings and one study I read about only 50% of eagles survived their first year. And there was a, a study, a huge study that looked at almost 1,500 birds across many different ranges from the year of 1963 to 1984 and found that 23% of eagles died from trauma with wires, vehicles, kind of man-made structures, if you will. Uh, 11% died from gunshot. from poisoning, 5% from electrocution, 8% from trafficking, 2% from nutrition. And uh, and then, of course, there's a a fair chunk of them, like 20% unknown. So in this one study alone is close to 70% of their mortality rate was caused from humans. Right. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's not a, you know, I was going to get to, to predators, but I can just address it real here real quick. You know, besides humans, there's no real natural predators, except the eggs and, and fledglings can be, you know, eaten by things like raccoons, ravens, black bears, wolverines, bobcats, black billed magpies, crows, gulls, hawks, owls, Lots you know, stuff. Sure. other things that, mm-hmm. yeah, that may get the, the young ones, but you know, it's still, you know, they got a, they got a pretty good lifespan uh, compared to some species we've covered. Some of the cool stuff about them, Angie, is they their vision is four times greater than us, especially with distance. Yes, they can see monocular and binocular. Yeah, I have vision, this slide. Right? This this one goes out to Eagle Eye Xander because ever since he's been okay. little, he loves looking for small things, whether it's stones on the beach or sea glass or insects or whatever it is. And so I always encourage him by saying, you know, telling him he has really good eagle eyes. And so, and now yeah. Zach, of course, yeah, has yeah. great eagle eyes too. But then they got mad uh-huh. at each other. So I had to come up with something else that's good vision. You know, it's it's hard to please everyone. Hawk, yeah, hawk, hawk, yeah, hawk eyes and yeah. eagle eyes. Yeah. So, but yeah, yeah. it's, in, it's in, so four times, I guess I didn't know it was that yeah. high. Yeah. Yeah. They've got incredible binocular vision. Yeah. Obviously, you know, soaring up high and they can see things and uh, look down. So. Well, Chris, I was reading too, that they have with their eyelids, they have a see-through eyelid called a uh, nictating, 
membrane. Nick, yeah. And so, yeah, it's basically a membrane that, like goggles, it protects their eyes while mm-hmm. their their main eyelids remain open. So it helps keep their eyeballs moistened and clean and and no debris in there. So just really, really cool for probably some of these um, aeronautics uh, flying mm-hmm, feats mm-hmm. that they do. And of course for hunting as well too. So eagle eyes is a compliment. That's for sure. If you got that 20, if you got that. Yeah, 20, absolutely. 20 yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And then, you know, just, uh, you know, quickly just talking about birds and flight and, and again, just building that story when we cover birds, we've talked about some of this that, you know, they're lighter weight because you know, they have hollow bones. Mm-hmm. Their bones are, are hollow. So not as dense as a, you know, say a land animal incredible flight muscles. I, I pulled up uh, this crazy picture of, you know, an eagle and you look and they're just under all those feathers, they're stacked. I mean, they are stacked. They look like a, a human bodybuilder. They have so much incredible muscling in there that helps them propel flight. But of course the feathers are, are critical, oh, yes. you know, light is light as a feather. So, you know, the feathers aren't dense. They're, they're light. And Angie's done, told many beautiful stories about feathers and and other bird species, you know, but looking at them in flight, you know, one of the things is, you know, when the, the wingtips flared out, those are the primary flight feathers. Mm -hmm. And then I didn't know behind them. I never really kind of paid attention, but behind the back part of the wing are secondary flight feathers, right? And then their feathers on their tail fan out Mm -hmm. And when you look at them in flight and underneath, and I believe what I'm going to use is the, the 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 logo for this this week with the bald eagle. It's a beautiful eagle with its wings just spread wide, and you can see this is the surface area. So I have a picture of an airplane on my slide just because I always, whenever I'm flying, I just always freak out like, how in the heck does this work <laughs> with physics, right? Yes. Like this thing weighs tons and tons and tons, and I'm flying through the air. And it's just simple physics with with surface area. So when you see a bird in flight, they have an incredible surface area that works against the the air because the air is actually full of molecules of gas and things. And that allows them to fly and soar like they do. So I believe it was the condor episode. We really kind of dorked out on this a little bit. Yeah, well, the bald eagle, I think probably similar to the condor. Well, Mm -hmm. I have somebody, one of our bird nerds correct us. Uh, if, if we're wrong, please do that. We'd love to be corrected. Uh, yeah. But they, the bald eagle soars on thermal convection currents. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Probably. Yeah, I the way think the so, heat yeah. moves up and down. But what I couldn't mm-hmm. believe was their speed. Yeah. How fast do they fly? So when they're gliding and flapping about 30 miles per hour or 48 kilometers per oh, hour, okay. uh, but they can reach reach higher speeds of up to 43 miles per hour. Uh, but when they dive vertically, however, that's not, that's not super frequently, but if, and when they do, they can reach speeds between 75 and 99 miles per hour or 120 to 160 kilogram kilograms. My goodness. It's yeah. <laughs> kilograms, uh, kilometers per hour. So right. that's no joke. Well, yeah, it makes me think that's that's fast, especially if it's as big as a bird as this is. Well, and, that- and that's so so I read this really cool little blurb about it where with them being so big, 
for a bird of prey and for a bird in general. And then they're actually really able to maneuver really cool moves for their size. And Mm -hmm. hunters that are trying to shoot them from helicopters have complained, and I don't know when what when this was happening, I guess way back in the day or whatever, that golden eagles were much easier to hunt from a helicopter because bald eagles had all these maneuvers and would dive and double back mm-hmm. and do kind of I think of you like playing football. Like the you know right, right. football in the air in order to like not you know, get shot. So like, they're probably pretty smart too. Well, and that maneuvering is interesting because that leads me to nutrition, how they hunt, right? Swooping and down and making these maneuvers to catch fish because that is the majority of their diet is is fish. But yes. they also do eat some other things. Yeah, they eat some other things. Um, small mammals, uh, injured waterfowl, carrion, we talked about, you know, so it, it's they do have a, a variety diet. One study did find that a population of bald eagles, fish comprised about 56% of their diet. Um, Birds were about 28%, mammals 14%, and other prey 2%. But then another study showed that fish made up like 90%. It probably depends on where they live and what season it is uh, of the study. I read that about 400 different species can be included in their their spectrum yeah, and their refrigerator of things to eat. So uh, it just, I think it's, it's probably regionally and seasonally and all of that, but they, they do very well and they're very, they have good flexibility, but yes, they are, they're, they're loving to catch those fish and they catch them in the water. And this is, I was so funny, just a quick little sidebar. I'm reading all about these hunting behaviors, which I'll get to in a second. And I'm, and I'm, watching videos and thinking of how they, they hunt, you know, they have their eagle eyes and they see fish down in the water. And then all of a sudden I got a craving for like a little chocolate bar. So I got up to my refrigerator and or the freezer and I grabbed a little piece of chocolate, dark chocolate and came back and sat down and kept reading and I'm eating on my dark chocolate. And I'm like, Mary, I'm so lazy. Like these birds are, yeah. they're so incredibly, I don't know if intelligent is necessarily the right word, but their their ability to hunt their food from high above in water, use their feet to pick it up is just incredible. And I just have to, I just have yeah, to walk to yeah. a freezer or refrigerator. I mean, talk about some skill sets being lost, right? It's like <laughs> yeah. Un, yeah. unbelievable. And, but All they, right. they, so they, yeah, they, and that's a lot of what they, hunt is of course fish. Um, but they're smart and they'll wait till salmon spawning season till some of them are dying off and then they'll go after that carrion. And there's, they're really clever. I mean, I've seen them eating roadkill, uh, with turkey vultures Mm -hmm. right alongside them Mm -hmm. in Florida. Mm -hmm. They unfortunately will go to garbage dumps, especially in Alaska. And so, I mean, they're, they, they can really, they can really adapt to what, Know, what they need to what they need to do to survive, but what I found super fascinating is usually they don't hunt that heavy of prey, right? And so, Chris, their talons are big and strong. It's been estimated that the gripping power of these talons, their feet, and then of course the nails, uh, is ten times greater than the grip of a human. 
right? So if we were to grab something. Wow. Like, and okay. So really. I told you they're, they're strong. Really, they're, they're strong. They're really strong. But, yeah. and they're not going to usually pick out something super heavy, but there have been reports of them catching fish that at least weigh as much as their own weight. Wow. And then if the fish is too heavy to lift, the eagle will be dragged into the water and they're and they'll swim to safety. They're they're moderate swimmers. And sometimes they'll even drag the fish through the water that's heavier than them swimming yeah. and pulled up on the shore. Oh my see how strong they yeah. are? <laughs> they are incredibly exactly. Strong. So it's I mean oh, and, and that's not gonna be their normal nor their normal right. prey, but no. uh and allegedly, they were, um, they've been a reported carrying a 15-pound mule deer as well. It was a fawn. It was like a baby. Oh, okay. Yeah, mm-hmm. a little one. But. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. Well, I read, I mean, here's, this, here's the, the, the kicker that I read. Talking about nutrition, and this leads you in more to behavior. So rather than fishing, hunting, you know, for fish most of the time, they'll actually go after other birds catches or other animals yes catches. chris i read that so, they're thieves yeah. they're <laughs> smart yeah they thieve yeah so like say an osprey catches a a fish the eagle will chase mm-hmm. it and make it drop its fish and the eagle will catch it in midair talking about all these acrobatics that you talked about and or they'll just go up and grab it with these strong talons out of the osprey's hands or talons like its own feet it will come in and grab it and say nope that's mine and take it. So they're thieves. They're Super total smart. thieves. Super smart. Yeah. Uh, and, yeah. And, and, yeah. and somewhat opportunistic. They've seen them scavenging on whale carcasses. So, I mean, you know, they do what they got to do. And, and, uh, but hey, it's easier to steal somebody else's food than to eat your own, right? That, yeah, I so know, I guess I don't I know, feel know. as bad. That's like me going, that's like them going to the refrigerator and getting chocolate if they just steal the poor Osprey's catch. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> You know, more talking about, okay, so getting out of the nutrition and, and hunting and stuff and talking about other behaviors. I know I mentioned earlier the nests. You know, I, I mean, the nests are huge, right? I mean, they're huge. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So so during breeding season, a male and female will build a nest or rebuild the nests from the previous year. And they are made up of sticks and what I, where I live, Spanish moss and and they're really high up. Uh, I mean, usually on the top of a tree, or we even have towers here in Florida. So they, they like to have a good vantage point. But they're so flexible, they've been known to make nests um, actually near the ground or on cliffs, so electrical poles. So, I mean, they, they can be pretty pretty flexible. But what is phenomenal about these birds is the size of the nest. The largest bald eagle nest on record was found in Florida, um, my adopted mm-hmm, state. Mm-hmm. And it was used for 30 years and weighed two tons, two tons. Oof, that's insane. When it fell out that's of the insane. tree. Mm-hmm. Wow. Wow. And so, and once again, not all nests are used for 30 years. Uh, the longest one is thought to be in the Midwest that was occupied for at least 34 years. Uh, but usually they'll use it for three, four, five years. And then of course, if it's, if it's weak due to storms, uh, for instance, the Eagles, uh, where I ride horses, they were on one tree for five years that I watched them. And then that tree had a lightning strike. And so I was, Mm -hmm. 
I was happy that it didn't, the trees didn't injure anybody when it fell or the farm or anything, mm. but I was devastated. I'm like, oh, my eagles are going to be gone. But instead they, they selected a tree, I mean, probably about a couple hundred yards away, uh, but still pretty, I mean, their nests are so big, it's obvious. And, you know, and then mm-hmm, of course mm-hmm. you can hear them and see them and all that. So they, they came back nearby. Um, and so, yeah, it's. Can you imagine migrating back to home? It's like I coming know. home and Jimmy burnt down the house. <laughs> What'd you do? Like, oh. But, and I guess I shouldn't say it. It's a, I know that a, it's a hundred percent the same, same pair. Um, but mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, regardless, I have probably. a pair it that I can is, see yeah. anytime I want, right. especially during our breeding season and nesting season. So it makes me very, very happy. And I'm blessed that I usually get to see a pair of breeding bald eagles. But in general, when they're not, when it's not during breeding or nesting season, they're going to be solitary. So mm-hmm. they usually don't. They're not. They're not. A, they're not a super social birds. As far as, mm-hmm. you know, living with one another and all of that. And what is also interesting is you may have seen an eagle and you just didn't know it because that iconic color pattern with the white head and the white tail feathers is doesn't happen for a while. In fact, mm-hmm. they're pretty much all brown until about their fifth year. Mm. So, well, fourth year, Basically, yeah. So and and each year they're molting and they're changing colors and it's these subtle changes where you might see or you're like or you might not be able to identify what bird that is and it might just be a younger bald eagle who's not doesn't have the full uh, normal color uh, feather coloration. So I always keep an eye out too and try to you know I'm trying to figure out how to identify them because I'm wondering if the juveniles are coming back and things like that or if the young bald eagles are coming back to uh to where that they to that where they were hatched. So yeah, it takes them a while to become the beautiful mm-hmm, majestic mm-hmm. bald eagles that we're that used we to looking at. That we know and see, yep. But what we have to focus on the last few minutes of the podcast, Chris, is this courtship behavior. So it's amazing. Bald eagles, yeah, it's amazing. Yeah. They're it's monogamous, amazing. so they yeah. mate for life. Obviously, if a mate dies, they're not totally crazy. They'll find somebody else usually. Um, and there are studies out there that I guess if they breed and they're not successful at breeding, uh, after many attempts, they might split and look for new mates. So I found that interesting, right? But in general, they have their monogamous mate and that they're going to breed with. It's obviously the sealed deal. And they have their mate, which they typically, if they are migrating bald eagle, they're not, they don't migrate together or anything like that. Um, but when they come to the breeding season, even though it's a sealed deal and they know that they're going to breed, or I don't know, I guess I don't know what they know, but uh, I'm sure obviously they recognize each other. They still will demonstrate these elaborate displays that include beautiful calls and spectacular flight displays. Like nothing I've ever seen before, which is why I sent you the video, which is why I think out of the whole entire podcast series that we've done, they win for the most amazing courtship behavior. Yeah. Well, yeah. No, I, mean, I can't. Can you think of a better one? You've covered some crazy, you've covered some crazy dancing ones. I know. I, and then I think it was, yeah. I think it was the panda that did like a headstand and like rubbed its butt on a tree or something. I can't really remember. 
So <laughs> some of the ones we always say I John's going to do for you. They're super funny. Well, this one is one that I know yeah. John and I would not do because it basically he doesn't super like yeah. heights. I'm always like, oh, I think I would maybe acrobats. Yeah. I would maybe uh, sky uh, skydive, and he's like, uh, no way. But what they'll do, and we'll put a video on our show notes, or you can just Google it. It's amazing. So they'll be very high up in the air and they'll chase each other and do all this like little swooping and all this and that. But then they will lock talons with one foot. So each has a foot interconnected and they start free falling, but cartwheeling or spinning while they're free falling and they separate just before hitting the ground. And I'm not describing it properly. If you haven't seen it, you have to get on YouTube or you have to look at our show notes. It is crazy town. Insane. Mm-hmm. Insane. Mm-hmm. And it is. It is. scientists aren't sure why they do this. Um, it, they, they don't know if it's like, you know, it's a ritual, uh, but it's, it's crazy. And they have seen male bald eagles doing it as well. And they don't know if that's more ter- ter- territorial. Uh, and unfortunately, sometimes they don't let go or one doesn't unlock the talons before they hit the ground. So it can be w- – one can be wounded even fatally perhaps. But it is just this behavior. I, I Like I said, I thought I knew a lot about eagles and my mind was blown. And that's why I was sending you all those mm-hmm. videos the other day. I was like, Chris, look at this. Look at that. But Yeah, it was cool. It was they cool. went hands down. Um, and so after this – amazing display and and breeding the female will produce anywhere from one to three eggs and she'll incubate them or i should say they both take turns incubating they take turns building the nest and they take turns incubating the eggs the male and the female uh incubation's about 35 days and then there's an 11 to 12 week nest nestling period where both mom and dad are bringing food to the um to the fledglings and with there being anywhere from one to three, sometimes if there's like a small little weak fledgling, a lot of times they won't make it um, because it's usually the more dominant, larger, and aggressive fledgling that basically screams the loudest and gets mom and dad to feed it mm-hmm. the most. So what, when we talk about that mortality rate, I think that that's usually part of the part of it is that often one one of the three won't make it, and so. But yeah, when they are born, bald eagles are semi-altricial and they're small, 60 grams. And they, they, they do gain a lot, up to 180 grams per day. So I love the fact that we always talk about mo- good moms and good dads, but uh, both, mm-hmm. both parents care for their offspring. And, um, and, it's, and you can see that where they, they usually, one of them will be at the nest or with the nest. Uh, especially in the beginning, or obviously during incubation, and then um, in the first couple weeks. And by about eight weeks, the eaglets are strong enough to flap their wings. That's when I can start seeing them with my binoculars. They'll stand up on the nest platform because that nest is big, right? So you typically can't Mm -hmm. see them when they're down deep in the nest. And they may fledge anywhere from eight to 14 weeks, but they remain very close to the nest and by their parents for at least six weeks after they fledge. And both male and female bald eagles typically won't start breeding until they have their white head and they're about four to five years old. So there's Mm -hmm, a lot of mm -hmm. lag time in there um, in between, which they need to survive in order to pass pass on their genes. So I highly recommend 
watching an eagle cam. They're kind of all over. I'll put on our show notes yeah. some of the more popular ones. I, I have some here in Florida, but depending on where you live, you you probably have one in your state because they, they're really popular drawing crowds. And like right now in Florida, ours are hot because I think there's one in Pittsburgh. It's like she's on, like it's like live. Mm-hmm. Like you can go to YouTube and watch. The one I was watching yesterday was Pittsburgh in Pittsburgh. It's called Pittsburgh Hags, Haze. And it was, they're just doing cute behaviors and I don't think they've hatched yet. So that's always a fun way to spend some quality time um, putting off the tasks you should be doing. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. So, You'll lose a lot of, lot of hours yeah, watching that. Yeah, yeah. So you can definitely see a lot of the behaviors. And if you're not familiar with an eagle vo- vocalization, it's one of my favorite sounds when I'm, especially when I'm out um, at the horse farm because I know that, or at, um, at a zoo because I know it means there's eagles around, but it's it, it's not as brilliant and bold and I guess majestic as you would think. Uh, it's more of this weak staccato, some chirping whistles. It's like click, kick, kick, eek, 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 and a much higher pitch, mm-hmm. uh, especially with my voice right now. Mm-hmm. It's almost like a gull, a call of a gull. But it's funny, Chris, because did you ever watch the show The Colbert Report? With Stephen, yeah, 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 sometimes, yeah, sometimes. He has, yeah. it's you know, he, he it's just an American, an old uh, sh- a show that's now off the air. In the intro of that show, there was always this loud eagle call, but it's totally fake. They used, uh, I think, uh, some mm-hmm. type of hawk, because the eagle mm-hmm. call is actually kind of wimpy, if you will, yeah. compared to <laughs> what I guess like Americans wanted to be more impressive or whatever. So, yeah, yeah, but of yeah. course, the eagle vocalizations mean a lot to each other. And um, they'll communicate with visual displays and some of these in a lot of these vocalizations, especially you know the the eaglets to the parents. And then, like I said, I get to hear them all the time, and and I and I love the sound. But then I went back and and played mm-hmm. the Colbert Report's opening uh, opening cry, eagle cry, and I was cracking yeah. up. I'm like, oh, that's yeah. so not an eagle. But not it. it happens not in the movies it. too, yeah. right? Because they want it to be more powerful. So yeah. just funny, funny little side note. No, it's, it's there. Uh, I know we could do another hour of this, you know, and we'll definitely do more birds and, and bird behavior stuff. Cause it's so fun. And you did a beautiful job talking about conservation again, you know, they're, they're up estimated 300,000 least concern. So they're doing pretty good. Um, some ways, you know, I just conservation tips of the week for people, you know, avoid using toxic pesticides, you know, and these, these neo nicotinoids, which are very controversial is the, uh, the largest use of insecticide that is, and this is just for birds in general, but that is deadly. One seed covered with this can kill a songbird. And we already know, like we talked about a few weeks ago that, you know, a couple months ago that, you know, the decimation of birds, I think it was snowy owl talking about the decimation of birds in North America, you know, billion birds gone. So we just have to be very careful with what we're putting outside with that. So be, you know, you can find some environmental friendly insect repellent, things like that, but try to avoid some of these toxins in your gardens and in your lawns and things like that. Another thing is our kitty cats. We love them. We love them, but they should be indoors, you know? Mm Yeah. Cats kill more wildlife than anything. It's it's pretty sad. I mean, definitely get them spayed and neutered. Yes. 
We don't need more no. cats, but they should be indoors, not outdoors, because outdoors they just wreak havoc on wildlife, especially birds. And bird watching, go out and watch birds. It's a it big is. business, right? Yes, when it's not about the money, it's about the money. Uh, this it's estimated that about twenty billion dollars is produced annually from bird watching from people traveling and wow. then installing these eagle cams and all just all the excitement that it generates in enthusiasm and wildlife not only bird nerds like ourselves or but just in wildlife enthusiasts in general because you don't have to be too much of a bird nerd to like want to see an eagle right like there's just right, a, right, or, right, or some, right. Of these, some of these really big iconic birds so yeah no it's really cool get out there with your binoculars and can get yeah. your list, and you've got a good chance of seeing these birds in Florida, Alaska, Minnesota is up there with a pretty high mm -hmm. population, mm -hmm. Washington State. So maybe California. Chris yeah. has got to get out there and look around, right? Uh, way north. Yeah. It's in the north. I don't know. <laughs> We're down here in Southern California. But now, before we talk about what animal was almost the national symbol, or somebody was arguing the animal. <laughs> I can't wait to tell the story. Uh, just really quick, a good organization to support that's supporting bald eagles. So this week I want to give a big shout out to the American Bird Conservancy. They can be found at abcbirds.org. Super easy to remember. And of course they have a presence on Facebook and other social media sites. But they do a great job in trying to find solutions to lead poisoning in birds. And an article just came out in, uh, early in 2020 about how bald eagles, are their numbers are plummeting because they're dying from lead poisoning. And obviously in the United States, it's completely illegal to hunt uh, bald eagles. They're heavily, heavily protected still. Once again, they're an indicator species. So the lead that's coming from buckshots or spray with other hunting and then the birds feeding on that carrion is getting into their system and killing them. So the American Bird Conservancy is working on solutions about how to try to reduce these unnecessary deaths. So definitely check them out. And I applaud them for working and trying to help educate hunters and then also at the state and regional level of trying to find solutions to this problem. Because it's not only impacting bald eagles, but other other uh birds of prey yeah yeah and the condor too that's like their number exactly. one thing that's killing them right now is right. poisoning yeah yeah all right angie so benjamin franklin good old ben good old ben he uh you know had a big hand in in the founding of the united states he did not like the eagle so he lobbied what hard he like about to it? not make okay he said this is what he wrote that they have thieving tendencies. So this is why it that makes sense. That's exactly true. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's uh, harasses small birds. He's like, for my own part, I wish the bald eagle had not been chosen the representative of our country. He is a bird of bad moral character. That I disagree with. He does. <laughs> That's a little dramatic. <laughs> he does. <laughs> he does not get his living honestly. Besides, he's a rank coward. The little king bird, not bigger than a sparrow, attacks him boldly and drives him out of the district. That's when D.C., you know, there was bald eagles around D.C. It was a small uh, hollow of a town. 
So he wanted, ready for this one? The wild turkey as the emblem of the United States. Wow. <laughs> Could you imagine how different if we were, our emblem was the turkey? Wow. Yeah, that's not what I would pick as my second choice. Like, yes. not even, like, not, like <laughs> the buffalo? Come on. I know, I know. He uh, he wanted the wild turkey. Oh, Ben, what were you drinking? Now back we then? do need oh. to cover the turkey. I actually just said that the other day. I'm like, we've got to yeah. cover the wild turkey. They're so cool. But <laughs> could no. you imagine the wild turkeys are emblem? No, no. no. seriously, <laughs> seriously. Oh, uh, I like the gray wolf, or know. you know, I mean, the bear was already Russia, so we needed something. The lion of England, even though there's no lions there, yeah. and it was like. The wild turkey of the United States, our, our second bird emblem that Ben Franklin wanted. So there you go. Wow. Well, whoever <laughs> vetoed that did it right. <laughs> yeah. And, and 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 sorry if any of our listeners out there, you know, if if they are, if their emblem is a turkey, I don't know. That's true, <laughs> sorry, Chris. But... <laughs> we need to be a little more sensitive <laughs> to, to our global audience. I think but, their waddles uh, are beautiful. Yeah. So. We'll, we'll yeah. cover that. We'll, oh, there'd be, be so continued. many, so many jokes. Yes. Yeah, to be continued. So, all right, great species. We will be back very soon with with more content. And thank you for listening. Yeah, and yes, de- definitely check out our show notes or YouTube to look at that courtship behavior of the spiraling cartwheels. Just, it's just incredible. So, thank you for listening. And uh, if you. We're not a bald eagle fan. Hopefully you are now. And we thank you for your time and and you're a hero just for listening and sharing this podcast. So thank you so much. Thank you. Listen, learn, share. Join the movement at allcreaturespod.com.